I'm David Cross, and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own U.S. Asset Management, a family-owned and operated investment advisory practice. I'm a certified portfolio manager, and my job is to help you make better decisions with your money. One of the things we try to avoid is investing in companies that push the woke agenda. If you're invested with one of the big firms out there, there's a pretty good chance that you're feeding the beast that hates your values. Our company is 100% conservative, and we'd love to have an opportunity to work with you. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our big, proud American Eagle logo. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is Global Conversations in Plain Sight. And today we are delighted to have on once again, Dr. Phil Altman from Australia. Uh, Phil, your Substack is becoming explosive in terms of numbers and because you are a reliable source. And let the audience know why I am going to push your Substack up, because you have a, you know, here in the United States, we have Sasha Latipova, who is, you know, a clinical regulator. She understands the game. She's she's been uh, she's worked for I think it's forty or sixty uh, pharmaceutical companies. Like you, you are as informed as Sasha. And you very early on, you have realized that there's something was amiss with all of the COVID. Um, I, I guess storm is the only word that comes to my mind. But first of all, welcome to the show and and give give your Thank background you. because you you are as as we well know right now. There are not a lot of credible people talking because they're either gaslit or they're going to lose their jobs or, you know, they're they're in fear. They're just in fear of what could happen to them professionally or personally. But you are a reliable source for all of us. So tell everybody about your background. Just give them a, a brief encounter of that because you, know, you do speak the truth to power. Yeah. Well, I'm a uh, pharmacologist. Um, I have... Uh, Three, three degrees in pharmacology, including a PhD degree from Sydney University. Um, I'm in Sydney. Um, I, my PhD was in drug development. And uh, for that reason, I became very useful to the multinational drug industry. I uh, work for uh, Big Pharma for many companies uh, for many years. Um, I then became a consultant in Australia, employed lots of people, doctors, nurses, statisticians, pharmacists, scientists, data managers, and so forth, and consulted for more than half the companies, half the multinational drug companies in Australia. Um, so you are the go-to guy in Australia for a big pharma. I was. I was for many years. Uh, my, my company was really the top consultancy for uh, both uh, the uh, uh, big pharma in Australia and and many overseas companies that didn't have representation in Australia. I, I've built 
with the Australian Therapeutic Goods Administration, RTGA, your equivalent of the US FDA, uh, for more than 40 years. I, I know them well, they know me well. Uh, now, my role in all this is that uh, I, being a uh, pharmacologist, I'm not a medical practitioner, and therefore I'm, I'm able to say things that a lot of medical practitioners are unable to say because they'll be suspended if they say them, because some of the things they want to say will be counter to the, the narrative that the government has issued. And they've been advised in writing that if they cross the narrative uh, that's been issued by the government, uh, their registration uh, might be subject to suspension. So many of them have to be, most of them have to be very careful in what they say. I can be a little bit more liberal in what I say. And uh, with my uh, 40 plus years of experience in evaluating scientific data, putting together data packages uh, for big pharma and negotiating with the TGA, I, I do have an inside view of, of how the TGA works, how they think, how things should be done. So Phil, let's, Let's take the 45,000 foot picture right now, and then we're going to dive deeper into it. What are the, I'd say, top two or three issues and facts that the public really needs to know about what happened? Because it seems to be that there's more, there, there has been a, a wider door into the fraud behind the COVID crisis, uh, certainly with the so-called vaccinations that are gene therapy based. But what is it that the public really needs to know? Because I keep on, and you know, we've talked about this many times on the show. You know, it's people are starting to wake up, but then the question is, how many people need to wake up so this never happens again? Right. Well, there's been mass censorship, of course. It's been going on for more than three and a half years. Um, these gene-based injections, the mRNA injections, um, are not really vaccines by the conventional definition of the word. They represent a completely new class of therapeutic that had never been used before based on gene therapy. And this is what people didn't understand. Most people just accept the narrative that vaccines are safe. Vaccines are not safe. No drug is safe. And especially gene-based therapies carry special risk and they should be tested in special ways. And this brings me to my second point. The way these things were developed was unusual. The, it, the development was driven by the US Department of Defense under special legislation in the US. In a way, uh, companies like Moderna and Pfizer were subcontractors to the Department of Defense. There were literally hundreds of companies that were subcontracted to the U.S. Department of Defense to produce these injections in record time. And in doing so, they had to cut corners. They cut corners in terms of safety testing. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is widely known. You can, you can view online the data uh, that was generated and you can see if you're a person like myself 
you can see also the data that was not generated, that was needed. So this explains why these injections have caused and been reported to be associated with the highest incidence of death and serious adverse events than any drug in history. I, I can't think of another drug that's been associated with so much damage. Yet uh, that simple fact uh, is not being admitted at all. As I sit here right now, the Australian Therapeutic Goods Administration only admit to 14 deaths associated with these injections and no deaths of children. Now, it's, incre it's incredible. Have you seen, you know, what's kind of astounding to me is that here in the United States, the FDA is still, although privately they've, they've spoken to some people who are vax injured and they, ha they have said, and I can say this, Dr. Peter Marks of the FDA has told an orthopedic surgeon who is disabled because of the COVID shots and can no longer um, operate. He said to him he would like to officially acknowledge the vascular and the neurological injuries, but he cannot officially. Of Has of this ever happened in the 40 years that you have been in this business? No, not even close. I could not imagine it. Christine, this has turned my world upside down. I, before COVID, I was happily retired. My business was very successful. I sold my business. Um, I was leading a very comfortable life, very happy. And this COVID thing happened and I saw what they were doing with these uh, mRNA injections. And I thought, whoa, they don't have time to develop. The, these things take more than a decade to develop. They're highly risky group of drugs, gene-based therapies, highly risky. Um, and I knew they didn't have enough time to develop these things. And I could not understand how they were released so soon. Um, and it's because uh, of the special emergency use authorization arrangements uh, with the U.S. Department of Defense that they were able to skirt around the usual safety testing. The clinical trials that they did in the beginning to establish the so-called safety and efficacy were poorly designed, did not examine or assess transmission. Which is, even, which is extraordinary because why would you want to create something that didn't that, that that would not prevent transmission. It just makes it makes it's not it's not even logical. You don't even have to be a medical expert. It's not yeah, logical. Well, well, from from the beginning, this was a really bad idea. There's now a new term called spikeopathy because it's it's now known that it's the uh, spike protein uh, from the virus that mediates the pathogenicity, the disease of the virus. And these so-called vaccines are not really vaccines. These, these injections are meant, are designed 
to produce in an unregulated way in your body spike protein, which goes everywhere. The lipo nanoparticle that's injected goes everywhere in the body to all your cells. It doesn't stay at the site of injection. And within those cells, the mRNA produces the spike protein. It's the spike protein which is toxic. Now, why would you base a so-called vaccine on the toxic element of the virus itself and have it produced in the body in an unregulated way? It's no wonder that we're seeing the damage that's being caused. The, the mRNA injections were actually pro-drugs. What they should have done in drug development was look at the spike protein and inject the pure spike protein and they would have seen the effect on the tissues and the organs. And they probably wouldn't have used it. Let me ask you this, Phil, because you, 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 know, you, you played at the top of the game uh, in your industry. Why do you think that these people did this? And why is it now when they know what has happened and they know that other people know and people like you are speaking out, why are the governments following this? I, I'm reluctant to speculate on what's in their minds. I think in a way, the momentum was so big, was so huge that um, it, it became uh, so important. It was a national security issue and people were panicked. There was an amazing amount of fear and it drove people to make decisions that they shouldn't have made. They now know what's happened. In the beginning, I said to myself, look, I'm okay with cutting RTGA and the US FDA a little bit of slack here. They were in a situation where there were predictions of millions of deaths, which was all wrong, of course. But they were, they were panicked. And I can understand in the beginning how they made these decisions knowing that they were taking a huge risk. Um, Do you believe that, uh, they, that they believe that they were taking a big risk, but this was the only alternative? Of course they knew it, because if you're in drug development and you, and you look at the dossiers that were presented for these things and the weakness of the design of the clinical trials that were presented and the fact that the US FDA wanted to keep the data secret for 75 years, the alarm bell should have, should have started to ring, right? That's right. But uh, in, in the beginning, when people were frightened, um, they lose their ability to critically evaluate situations and panic sets in. I could have excused them for a few months, a half a year or so in the very beginning, but as the results began to emerge, as the data began to emerge, as the death count be began to mount in association with the administration of these vaccines and people were dying within 24 or 48 hours of being being injected, these were healthy people without COVID, right? Dying for no explanation. 
They should have realized this. There have been drugs withdrawn from the market for just a few dozen deaths. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about a few dozen deaths. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of deaths due to these vaccines. So the bureaucrats now um, have a lot to defend. They've made huge mistakes. Almost every single bit of advice that we have ever been given has now been shown to be wrong. And their track record is appalling. So you have to ask yourself, if someone continually provides you with misinformation, disinformation, and outright lies, why would you trust them in the future? And that's what they're asking us to do. I can feel it coming. There, there's considerable talk about a new variant. And well, here, here in the United States, they're talking about, you know, COVID cases have erupted and people nursing homes in New Jersey and they want to put the mask back on in, in New York. And, you know, I'm sure California, you know, California is so, so far long gone. I, I don't even, you know, I don't even look at it as a trend. Uh, but it's, it is, you know, it seems that people are waking up. The hesitancy is there. Um, there's seem more clarity that people are not believing the pharmaceutical or even the medical profession. Uh, and at the same time, there seems to be a push by governments that, okay, folks, we're going to go for round two for a new variant, possible lockdowns, mask, and another, you know, injection. Yeah. Okay. Well, round two is going to be different. What's your prediction? Because what's, your, what's your round two prediction, Phil? All right. In, in round two, um, a large part of the population, not most people, but but a significant part of the population uh, now understand uh, that they've been fooled and they've been basically coerced and forced to receive an experimental injection that has done them long-term harm. We, we do not know the full dimensions of that yet. The excess death data is still being collected unexpected excess deaths in relation to um, uh, heart attack, uh, stroke, uh, other thrombosis, uh, neurological diseases and so forth is still accumulating and it's still occurring for an unknown reason. They can't explain it. Our government here in the Senate in Australia has just narrowly defeated the proposition to investigate excess deaths. It's probably in Australia alone, there are 30,000 non-COVID unexplained excess deaths above that normally expected from year to year. And yet our government has declined to investigate that. So, I think you, round you, two. usually that means that they, they don't want the they don't want the facts out. 
because no. the public would mm. expect an accountability. No, that's exactly right. So just getting back to round two, round two, I don't know, there might be 10 or 20% of the population who are awake. I can only judge that from uh, my circle of uh, friends and the, speak with, and the people that I speak to. But there are only 10 to 20%. In the beginning with this pandemic, when it first occurred in 2020, no one knew what was going on, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and almost everyone was fooled. Uh, I didn't know too much about these things because they were a new, new class of drug. But now, with a significant number of people knowing what's going on and 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 knowing people that have died unexpectedly and have been damaged uh, by these injections. The game has changed. They're going to have to change the game going forward in round two. And how they're changing it is introducing the World Health Organization International Health Regulations, which will usurp the national control of health regulations. And it will be unelected bureaucrats connected directly or indirectly to vested interests in the pharmaceutical vaccine industry, dictating to countries health policy. In the future, people may well be forced to be injected. Otherwise, they lose their bank accounts. They lose their right to travel. Right. They lose their right to education. They lose their right to go to hospital if they're ill for other reasons. This is coming. So and we stop the World Health Organization, international health regulations, which are about to be approved by Australia and other countries. This is disastrous. Well, it's disastrous too. And so let's get into a little bit of the weeds of this um, because when we come back from the other side of the break here. I'm David Cross and you may know me from my election integrity work, but I also own US Asset Management, an investment advisory practice. I've been an advisor for nearly 30 years and one of the questions I get asked most frequently is, do I have enough money relative to other people my age? And while that's an interesting question, it's also the wrong question. The right question is, is do you have enough money to sustain your lifestyle for the rest of your life? This is a question you should know the answer to. This is what we do. Check us out at us-am.com and look for our Big Proud American Eagle logo. Okay, Phil, so I want to pick up where we left off, and that is talking about the international health regulations and the amendments to it that will be decided in November. Uh, the Biden administration is certainly pushing for these amendment changes, and the U United States, uh, Australia, a lot of the Eastern, a lot of the European countries are pushing for it. Canada is pushing forward. New Zealand's pushing forward. Uh, it seems to be the Western civilization pushing for it more so than the African countries. Explain, explain to the public how that works because that's a big change. And we've, we have, you know, billions of people on this planet who were not born, you know, who were born after 1990, who had no idea what you and I are talking about in terms of freedom 
and medical autonomy and making your own decisions. But this is a new game changer because as you said before the commercial that these are bureaucrats who have vested interests. And when we say vested, we're talking about financial interests and, and profiting and living off of the lives of other people. I mean, this is, this is medical trafficking, forcing people to take injections if they don't want them. Yes. I mean, well, the one thing that I've never quite understood in this entire scenario in the last three years now is why did anybody think that giving an inject that, that this disease, whatever you want to call this, this disease called COVID creates blood clots in some people's bodies. And then at the same time, these injections cause blood clots. It seems to me that that is something that's illogical, absolutely illogical. That why yes. would you inject somebody with something that causes blood clots to dissipate a disease that causes blood clots? Yeah. Well, we know now that these, these mRNA injections have basically failed. Um, we were told in the beginning um, you only needed uh, the one shot or the, then they said two, two shots. And now there's boosters being recommended um, uh, every few months. Um, if you um, ascribe to all the recommendations from the so-called health experts, um, people would have received maybe six or seven shots now. Do you know anybody that's received seven shots? No, no, I don't. Um, uh, but, but I do know lots of people now um, are gradually waking up. And while it's difficult for them to admit that uh, maybe they've made a huge mistake and they've been conned, um, they say things like, I don't think I'll get the next booster, right? That's, that's sort of a sign that people are waking up, but it's a, it's a, it's a gradual thing. Um, it's, it's easier to fool people than to convince them that they've been fooled. That's a quote from Mark Twain. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and it's, and it's very true. And, there's, an, there's, there's another problem here in that the medical profession was fooled themselves. See, and I, as you I, and I, both, I think that's, I think it's an interesting statement, but it's hard for me. And I, and you know, I'm not a, I'm not a physician. I don't have a medical background. I didn't cover, you know, I covered, I cover corruption. That's why I'm covering this story. Um, but I think that people when, when, if people see it as not a mistake, but they understand the intention to which they were used, commodified for profit, I think that people will, you know, they, they know something's wrong with this picture. And a lot of people, you don't have to have a medical background or a science background to understand that corruption exists. But I, I think the, the second phase of this, as you're saying, you know, all of a sudden it's going to be, you know, some global bureaucrat is going to be deciding yeah. what happens in yeah. Kansas. Yeah. You know, tell that to Dorothy. I don't think this yeah. is going to work yeah. because they want to see the wizard behind the closed door, you know, once and for all. I, I, but I, how do we get out of this? I mean, what are you well, seeing well, in well, Australia? Well, look, you're, you're absolutely right that 
that there's always been corruption. I mean, you only have to look at the global warming scam to know the depth of corruption that's that's occurring around the world. Now, the global warming scam um, is a money-making scam. It's, 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 it's designed to achieve certain things, has very little to do with the climate. Um, that, that involves money and power. Uh, this is life and death. That's this right. is different. This, is, this takes it to a new level. This is a new level of fraud. You, well, this is, the, this is like the Hunger Games. This I is, and you, you have to start thinking that the people who are really pushing this, the elites that are the globalists who are really pushing this in control of the WHO and so forth, are, are probably psychopaths because no one can be knowing what's gone on can continue on and not change course. And this takes me back to the very beginning of what I said was that in the beginning, I didn't know the full dimensions of this disaster. I suspected there was a problem, but I was a big pharma guy. I, I'd lived my whole life in big pharma. Why would people do this on purpose? And I, so I cut people slack. However, you did. now, you did. After, you after did. a year, even after a year, even after 2021, the end of 2021, it was clear this wasn't working out, but they haven't changed course. And for that reason, that is fraud and they are responsible. You know, they cannot be excused and there should not be any amnesty because they know what's happening. Not only that, they're continuing on the same path now. There's a mRNA plant being built as I speak outside Melbourne in the state of Victoria here in Australia. Is that the Moderna plant? Yeah. Why don't people, why aren't Australians demanding that that be shut down? There's too few voices at the moment. Um, and the media is still uh, not allowing people to um, access the truth. Uh, even well, the commentators. In Australia, I have been told, you know, by some people who are, you know, mates of mine in the business, that their news organizations are basically, you know, held hostage to the government narrative in Australia. So, I mean, th this sure. is it's it, this is serious. When the government is withholding information from the public in a life or death situation. Okay, so the so the um, government is a major client of media organizations to begin with. Mm -hmm. It contributes a huge sum of money in advertising to these organizations, and I'm I'm not in media but I highly suspect that they've been told this is the line you will follow. There are certain words and certain types of reports, for example, vaccine-associated deaths, vaccine-caused deaths, that you will not report. You will not mention it's the word... It's outrageous. It's you will not mention the word ivermectin. Otherwise, um, you'll lose your advertising. Mm -hmm. So... 
you know, this works the same way with the legacy, the legacy uh, medical jur journals. They, they are um, funded uh, just about entirely by Big Pharma. So they are controlled. So it's very difficult to get publications in the legacy type journals uh, that are anti the narrative that the vaccine industry uh, wants people to see. So this not only occurs here, I, you know, I'm, I'm waking up a little bit now. I, I think we're all waking up a little bit now that the world is, is not straight. Uh, there's a lot of corruption going on in a lot of different ways. But this corruption that we're seeing with COVID and the so-called vaccines is so serious. It involves, as I say, hundreds of thousands or millions of needless deaths. And um, uh, I don't know how long it's going to take for people to wake up. The, um, the information just the other day that I published in my substack on natural uh, immunity is, is, is really... Explain, explain that. It's a good point. Explain that to yeah. the audience because it was quite a read. Well, from the very beginning, um, we were given bad advice. Uh, we were told that uh, if you were infected with COVID, there was no treatment. Um, that was a lie. Uh, there were treatments that were effective and were available, but we were told there was no treatment and people had to basically sit it out at home until they either got better or got so bad they had to be taken to hospital. Well, that was really bad, bad advice. That, that, had ne that sort of advice had never been given ever before in medicine for anything. That is um, true. That is true. We, we don't wait around for something to get worse. We no. Treat it early, the you earlier treat, you treat something, the better off exactly, you ex Exactly. The earlier you treat an infection, <laughs> the more success you're likely to have. This is, this is not rocket science. It's accepted by just about everyone, except in this case. Why was that? Boy, that... Because they wanted to create me, the narrative that Vax was the only... That was one of the things that made me very suspicious in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, they were saying that natural immunity didn't count. Mm -hmm. Wow, really? Yeah. That's, uh, that's really anti-science. Why would they say that? And um, there have been lots of papers now. This, I was just looking over the last couple of days now uh, when this paper uh, broke by, by Gazette uh, in uh, Israel. That there have been lots of papers that have looked at natural immunity, um, you know, 100 patients here or 200 there, small trials and so forth. But this was a, a, a retrospective observational study of 124,000 individuals in Israel in 2021 when Delta variant was sweeping the world. And it showed 
that natural immunity is much better in preventing infection than vaccination and much better at preventing the symptoms of COVID-19. Uh, so this was the first paper that was really uh, 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 the numbers of people that were studied was just incredible. And uh, it's just the icing on the cake. And yet, um, when you think about it, the CDC, the U.S. Center for Disease Control, has a budget of something about $15 billion a year. And they employ probably in excess of 10,000 people. And they never did a single study on natural immunity. They don't Wouldn't, but but this is uh, this is the the art of deflection, the art of deceit. It's the same way that they that they Fauci and his gang of thieves came out and said, "Oh no, this this the cause of this is in the wet markets." That was to denounce the possibility that it might have come from the lab, because if they said it came from the lab at the time, then people would say, shut down this, this Frankenstein science you're doing in the lab. It's too dangerous. It's not even, it's not, it, it's not even regulated, for God's sakes. It's not fully monitored, all right? There's no, there's, people have not even acknowledged how dangerous this kind of bioweaponry is. And then they had to have Vax as the only answer. And that's why they nuked ivermectin. They nuked hydroxychloroquine because they had to create a market so that they could say, no, this is the only thing that works. But now that it doesn't work, when you say that, you know, it goes into phase two, I would hope to God that people would stand up and say, this is not happening. Yeah. It, it, it was more than for a second round, boys and girls. Yeah, it, 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 it was even more than that of, of creating a better market for the injections that by law, they could not get around the uh, drug safety testing and approvals in the way that they did unless the government declared there was no alternative therapy that was available. That, well, they that's knew. true. The Emergency Use Act could not have been even elevated. Or in, that's you know, right. It was in law. If, if there was, if there was an alternative, then that couldn't have been. That could never have been used. That that's what's yeah. so extraordinary. So that was one of the reasons why they wanted to say no. It's not. There's nothing out there for early treatment. But we also had Fauci repeatedly saying that there were doctors and scientists and researchers working on early treatments. But the truth of the matter is it never happened. No. It never it happened. No. So we've, we've been lied to constantly for three and a half years. And uh, the only reason that they can carry on is that the media is playing along. Um, so th this is why it's important for people to speak out as we're doing now um, in substacks, trying to publish papers in journals that will publish important studies that the legacy medical journals won't publish, um, and talking to people. I, I talk to as many people as I can. I 
travel around. I, I speak with people with, uh, in bowling clubs and tennis clubs and so forth. Um, uh, that, that's, a, that's what I do. Uh, you ask what we can do. We're, we're doing it. And, and people have to be brave. People have to not shy away from mentioning this. Uh, you have to talk about it. Today the, um, is Sunday, the 3rd of September. It's Father's Day in Australia. I'm not Happy sure. Father's Day. <laughs> it's Father's Day. Well, I'm not only a father, I'm a grandfather. And why do I do this? I do it because I'm a father and a grandfather. And uh, I don't get paid for doing this. Um, I don't have to do this. Um, except that if I didn't do this, I couldn't live with myself. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's important. It's important for people to do that. You know, Phil, when we're sitting here talking, um, I would like to invite you to, to submit your substacks to us in, in our form that we can, we can publish them because we, people need to understand it is very, very important when these guys are going to try to move into phase two. And it's it, in November, they're supposed to have the vote at the WHO. Um, people need to wake up all over the world and they need to say, no, not going to happen. We're not yes. going along with this. And, it's, yeah. you know, they can make amendments at the WHO, but I think it's very clever that they're doing it at the WHO level because it's very difficult uh, when it falls under the UN to do investigations on the inside. Now, I have done human trafficking investigations <clears throat> about the, the UN uh, in parts of the world. But at the same time, it's very difficult. And we know that the UN has its own history of, of some wild scandals. And they're always yes. involved with financial scandals. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, Phil, how do people find your Substack? And then also, we, we're, you know, I invite you, as I say, to, to submit to us and we will publish them. All right. It's, it's, it's easy to find. It's absolutely free. I, I publish maybe not every day. Sometimes I publish twice a day if there's important news because it, there's so much information that's coming out. Uh, so just Google my name. That's Philip Altman. It's Philip with two L's. Philip Altman dot substack dot com. And my substacks will come up and you can hit a button on my substack to subscribe. You don't have to pay anything at all and share it with as many people as you can. And I provide links to um, podcasts and videos and uh, published papers and legislation, and everything uh, that's relevant. So it's an important uh, source of information for people. And it's a reliable source because you are an expert in your field. Yeah, well, I, I've been in the business for a long time um, and um, I try and keep it very pithy, very pertinent, uh, very current. Um, it's, a, it's a big job to do it, uh, but there's no alternative for me but to issue the information. Well, Phil, we love having you on the show. You make us all smarter, and, and we appreciate your substack and the work that you're doing. And I know you don't have to do this, but you are doing it because you love your family and you love, you love humanity. I mean, it's that simple. 
It's that thank you, Christine, for the invitation, for the opportunity to speak. Anytime, Phil. Thank you. God bless.